This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
You are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Show. This is Rory Sauter, your host. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. I hope it all went accordingly. We have a, such a big show tonight. There has been so much going on in the media all weekend. We can't wait to get to it. First and foremost, I always want to thank my guests, my sponsors, my amazing audience, and my amazing co-hosts. Without all of you, this would not be possible. And the show just keeps getting more and more popular every single episode. We are now downloadable and listened to in 22 different countries, and we are on over 50 online platforms that people can find us on. Again, that's over 50 platforms online. Um, Jesus, where do I start, though? I have missed all of you. I, I, it's been about a week since I've been on the air, since last Tuesday. Uh, a lot has happened. Uh, we had... Uh, amazing shows last week. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank everybody that made that happen. Um, but let's let's get into it. Uh, I want to welcome on the line um, my co-host, lobbyist, political activist, and political strategist Josh Halabate out of Ohio. How are you, buddy? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. Can't wait to get this show tonight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, starting out, I want to I want to talk about the Oscars. Last night. Uh, I mean, it was a complete shit show. I mean, nothing but liberalism, uh, nothing but hogwash. I mean, total BS. 
Um, and it was, it was all about uh, race baiting, uh, playing the feminist card, the woman's entitlement. You know, they, they were talking about illegals and how illegals are such victims. I mean, can this show ever go without not being political? I mean, seriously. I mean, it is nonstop. You know, you have people taking jabs at Trump constantly on that stage. And the whole reason people have stopped watching, a lot of people stop watching the Oscars, is because people don't know how to keep the politics out of it when they're getting on stage for a 30-second award. They always have to bring up his goddamn name. Like, just keep it out of your mouth. Like, you're at an award show to entertain the audience. You're not there to whine and bitch about your political views or how you don't like the president. I mean, give me a break. And, and it, just, it was one thing after the other. I want to play some clips because this was just outrageous. Uh, first of all, I want to play Spike Lee uh, yesterday taking shots at Trump. This, I mean, he's such an asshole. Here's a guy that is a known racist, Spike Lee, and has said, Spike Lee has said this in interviews, I don't believe in interracial relationships. And he's black, so he can get away with saying that. But can you imagine if a white Republican said that? All hell would break loose. And people can find that interview when he said that. That was from a couple of years ago. But here's this, his acceptance speech last night. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Here we go. I want to thank Tanya Jackson Satchel. The word today is irony. The date, the 24th, the month, February, which also happens to be the shortest month of the year, which also happens to be Black History Month. No, oh, jeez. The year 1619, history, her story, 1619, 2019, 400 years. 400 years, our ancestors were stolen from Mother Africa and brought to Jamestown, Virginia, enslaved. Our ancestors worked from the land, can't see in the morning, can't see at night. My grandmother, Zimmy Sheldon Risa, who lived 100 years young, who was a Spelman College graduate, even though her mother was a slave. My grandma who saved 50 years of social security checks for the first grandchild, she called me Spiky Poot. She put me through Morehouse College and NYU grad film. NYU! Before the world tonight, I can praise our ancestors who built this country and went today along with the genocide of its native people. We all connect with our ancestors we will have love, wisdom, regaining. We will gain our humanity. It will be a powerful moment. The 2020 presidential election is around the corner. Mm. Let's all mobilize. Let's all be on the right side of history. Make the, make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. You know I had to get that in there. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, and they all here, – here's the thing. Here's the thing. You had multiple people go up there last night, 
you know, one of, you know, talking about feminism, talking about race, talking about everything that is on the liberals' agenda, every single thing. I mean, it, 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 can they ever go an award show or a political season without talking about race or feminism? And, you know, they say they're oppressed. They say they're really, you know, uh, down on their luck. Well, then how come women's unemployment is at an all-time low? How come black unemployment is at an all-time low? How come Asian unemployment is at an all-time low? And how come Hispanic unemployment is at an all-time low? Why don't they talk about that? Instead, they talk, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I, 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 Josh, go ahead. I got I to gotta catch my breath, but it, it's absurd. No, I mean, here's the deal. First off, I'd like to say they did a terrible job marketing because I didn't even know that the Oscars oh, – Real, real quick, I do, want to say, I do want to say, I do want to say, it's really embarrassing with the, when these people come up to the stage because, for instance, Spike Lee had to read his notepad the entire time. I mean, and you know, Trump responded today after Trump Lee attacked him. I do want to, I do want to read what Trump said, and I'm going to let you finish, Josh. But let me read this real quick. Uh, bear with me. I'm pulling this up right now. Um, here we go. And I quote: uh, Where is it? Be nice. It would be nice if Spike Lee could read his notes, or better, or better yet, not have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president, who has done more for African Americans, criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc., than anyone. I mean, he's done more than anybody. No, I mean you're absolutely right. And here's the thing: the, the Democrats don't. I mean, well, black people in general, but the black, the black. Uh, uh, people in this nation, for the majority of them, they don't care about results. They care about right. the lip service that the left gives them. The left gives them lip service. Republicans do not go around and act like they're going to just fix specific black problems. They go around and talk about how they're going to fix everybody's problems together. That's what the Republicans say. The left, the left likes to pick specific groups and say, we're with this group, we're with that group. But then when it, the push comes to shove, when legislation is brought up to help these people or when there's an opportunity to bring up such legislation, they bring up none of it because they don't actually yeah. care. They just want their vote. Right. And this has been – I mean this has been happening for the longest time, basically ever since the yeah. blacks were allowed to vote at all, this has been happening. They have been being manipulated by the Democratic Party, and the beautiful thing yeah. about it right now is – there are people starting to switch over to the Republican Party because they see the benefits of not only the Republican way of thinking, but also Trump specifically. He's helping these people in these neighborhoods. And it's such a it's such a jaded mindset in Hollywood. I mean, they live in the biggest bubble on earth. I mean, you know, rather than speak the facts, um, you know, like I said earlier about you know if they if they like they claim. Like if they if they truly cared, like they claim about femi- about women's rights, about black, uh, you know, what, blacks' well-being, minorities' well-being, then they would speak facts about the unemployment numbers. They would speak facts about all the amazing historic achievements that Trump has made for women and the minority community. But what do what do they do? They, they don't even give him any recognition. It, instead, they attack him with talking points from CNN and left-wing media outlets that are known to fabricate the truth and what's really going on here. I mean, you know, the fact that these people that are watching the Oscars and some people that are watching actually take these people's political advice is absolutely disgraceful, that you have – 
people taking um, ideas from from uh, you know from Hollywood. I mean, it's, people should know by now. I mean, a lot of people have woken up to it, but there's still a lot of people that uh, see these people as you know uh, royalty. Well, I mean, the the good part about it is though that the majority of America doesn't care. First off. And doesn't watch. So that is the one good thing we have going for us is, I mean, the majority of America doesn't care. And honestly, the percentage of America that either cares enough to watch or or listens to what they say is the side that was never going to vote with us anyway. I mean, at the bottom line, celebrities of any kind are allowed to have any opinions that they want to hold, and I have no problem with them voicing those opinions. But – when they come when they come out and speak on things that are either completely not factually backed or are just being yeah. used to push an agenda that that only that, that honestly they don't even have a reason to be pushing they just feel like they should that's the thing that drives me nuts is when they push an agenda that they don't even really know the whole facets of the agenda they don't know what the agenda means it just gets annoying more than anything and the fact that people still believe it is depressing it's holding this country back from being what it could be. And I, and I will say, I will say this, and, uh, you know, that I've come to the realization the, that Hollywood wants to remain the higher power, and they want to keep everybody else poor. You know, they want to be the people that get all the success and leave the little guy behind. Because let's face it, they use blacks, minorities, women as political pawns and it's the same old thing every single election cycle and when we have elections coming up and during this sort of season they always bring race into it they always bring the woman card into it they always bring the minority card into it they're asking for open borders they're saying there's no border crisis they're totally oblivious to reality i mean it's just sickening how these people are so anti-american it's like they don't even belong in this country. It's so um, – it's, it's crazy. It's like these people – I can't fathom. I mean, just their, their mindset. But, but at the same time, I think you know, some of them actually believe that, but I think some of them purposely spew that because they're in bed with the Democratic politicians. No, I, you know, and I think you're right. I know we've we got to move on to a different a talking point here, but just to, just to wrap up what I'm thinking about here, I mean the worst part about it is when they play the, the feminist card, when they play the LGBT card, when they play the uh, African-American yep. card, they cheapen yep. all of these things. Yeah. So, like, for instance, when in you boxes. have a Black History – absolutely. When you have a Black History Month, you know what that does? It cheapens Black History. Black History yeah. in America is American history. It's not Black History Month. What is Black – is exactly. there a Jewish History Month? Is there a German History Month? We don't, there's, there's not even Hispanic History Month. So – Right. You know, they act like they act like if they don't have this month, we don't think about black people in history. Are you crazy? Like there's all kinds of black people that have done amazing things for this country. I mean, just to name just to name one, George Washington Carver, who basically created the I mean, he changed the South way of farming by bringing up the idea of using a peanut as a crop that you could sell. I mean, he brought a lot of Southerners, white Southerners, mind you, and blacks as well, but he brought, basically made it so that they were able to get themselves out of, out of poverty, a lot of them. He created a whole other crop for them 
in an off season that normally there was no money being made. So, I mean, the fact that we have a Black History Month, honestly, a Black History Month is straight up racist, and it needs to go away. Black history is American history, period. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Black, black History Month, it doesn't get any more, you know, racist than that. I mean, they're, they're putting people in boxes, and it's all for political gain. You know, they do it to the homosexual community, the, the LGBT community, and they do it to um, all these different minority groups just for power. It, it's not a, it's, 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 you know, they don't let them be free thinkers. They want to uh, have government control over them, like I've said many times. Obviously, it's a little more subtle than the plantation days and being stuck on chains, but it's still control. I mean, absolutely, and until until the majority of all these groups, not just the African American community, but the LGBT right. community, the Hispanic right. community, the the feminist movement, until they understand yeah. that, hey, we're not the enemy. For some reason, they have this idea that we're the enemy. No, we're not. We don't right. care what you do in uh, behind right. your doors or right. you know what you're doing by your you know on your own time. We want you to have as much freedom as you possibly can, and you know yeah. we want the country to run smoother. We want prosperity. We don't right. want to single out people. That's not what the Republicans want. It's not what America needs. Right. And you know, the sooner Hollywood wakes up to the fact that they are pushing people away every single second um, with their political garbage, even let, let's just say even people that somewhat agree with them. Not all those people want to hear their, the, the celebrities' political views. I mean, there's people you know, that are even on, on the left, you know, more moderate, obviously, but they don't want to hear it. I mean, they watch award shows to watch award shows, but you have so many conservatives that are done with Hollywood in terms of watching their movies. You know, they've had enough of their crap, and you know, the way that Hollywood uh, is, is acting, it's, it's kind of like the New World, New World Order in a sense. Like, they're involved with i guarantee you they're involved with so many of our different government entities there's no doubt about it well i mean they give money to all of the people that you know support these ideas that they're pushing forward and you know the worst part about it is at the end of the day what they're preaching is the idea of inclusion 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 let's force inclusion on the people is basically what the end of the day is well but the problem is it, they only want inclusion if it you agree with what they have to say. If you're a conservative in Hollywood, you get blacklisted. I mean, when I was I was down in Florida working on a, a, a show um, and sh- shooting this uh, the show that was this pilot we were working on, and there were multiple actors from Hollywood, uh, no names, please, obviously, but they were talking about how they don't talk about their political views because they know they'll be they'll be blacklisted. They don't talk about being a Christian, and they don't yeah. talk about being, you know, conservative because it'll cost them jobs. Yeah, and, and you know, what, what's crazy and sad is that the left says they're so tolerant. They say that they're so accepting of other people. But if you do not agree with them, they are some of the most hostile and violent individuals you were ever, you'll ever meet. But what are conservatives? They're open-minded. They'll talk to you. They'll have a discussion with you. I mean, hey, if the, if the shoe fits, wear it. I absolutely agree. Right. And it's so – here's what really – you know, the, the, the part that bothers me the most, I think, is that we have to hear their garbage and them talk about politics and their liberalism. 
But the minute, you know, the minute that we uh, you bring up any sort of our abuse, they just don't listen to it. They don't listen to it, and they act smug, and they, they have all these different, uh, you know, uh, character antics that they pull off, and they call you a Nazi, they call you a racist. It's, it's just, it, it's one of those things that you can't help these people. They are so far gone with their ideology. I mean, it, it, it's like a cesspool. It's done, you know? No, I was, and you just brought up a fantastic point about how they call you a Nazi and racist. In their book, and in our book too, Nazis and racists are terrible. And here's the thing: yeah. as soon as you call someone that, you've ended the conversation yeah. because all you have to right. say is that person. Yeah. What the left does, they say that conservative person is a Nazi and they're a racist. So now I don't have to listen to anything they say because they're a Nazi and they're a racist. It ends the con- after that point. There's no dialogue. Right. Oh, you're absolutely right. Very well said. I do want to welcome welcome our, uh, our our one of our guests. We have a couple guests on the line, actually. Um, first of all, I uh, I want to welcome. Uh, let's see, political activist, strategist, and founder of thefactspaper.com, Pamela Adams. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, good to have you here. Thank um, you. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on what we've been discussing? I'm sure you've been paying attention to. All the liberal garbage. I have been writing down so many notes. There's so many places I could take this. As you know, I focus on history, and I just look back yeah. at the history. And, and, I'm and going, tell everybody, you know, for people that don't know, you have a conservative outlet that is, you know, it, it's an honest Snopes. We know Snopes, is, you know, has been caught in many lies and fake news. Fake news. But your your yeah. platform is more of a conservative Snopes, correct? In a sense, what it is is there, it, I have my blogs on there, which are basically historical blogs. But in addition to that is I provide links to um, articles on climate change, on evolution, on abortion, on gun control that are true, true reports, true studies, true science about these things that you're not getting from the mainstream media. So if you are wanting to talk to somebody about uh, climate change and you're like, well, what, what are some of the reports that are coming out? You can go to the facts paper, go to the section that's climate change, and then you can look at all the articles that I have there, click on them and read them and kind of research what you're not getting from the liberals that are out there. The stuff that they're trying to hide, I'm trying to provide on the factspaper.com for you to reference. Very well said. Yeah, and I want to get your response. You said you have uh, some thoughts on the whole liberalism. <laughs> well, a couple things. First of all, um, it was brought up about the division. Well, this is straight out of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have to divide yeah. the people so they will not yeah. talk to each other, which is the whole right. thing about calling them a Nazi, which was said before. Yeah. You ha- they want you to build those walls because – when you go out and talk to your neighbor who might be on a different political side, chances are yeah. you're going to have a decent conversation with that person, and you, you guys might be able to bring up points to each other that you're willing to listen to and consider. But when they build these walls between us and automatically we're all Nazis, like you said, they're not going to talk to us. They need that to happen because they want to be the ones for you to go to. They they need to be your savior. Oh, you've got these horrible people yeah. out there. You've got to come to us. 
so and and as far as as far as Hollywood, hey, that's the modern day Tower of Babel. They are building oh, yeah. their own world that they can worship themselves. And if we all yep. recall, that didn't work out too well. Um, so yeah. it's Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I I go ahead. I was pretty much done. <laughs> I was just you know. With, with everything that they've they've created such a mess, I mean, in so many different categories, you know, they've they've ambushed and you know um, totally, um, you know, just their fan base. I mean, a lot of their fan base, uh, they've lost so many fans just because of some of the things they've said. Um, you know, they want to discredit people for voting for Trump, uh, but 63 million people voted for him, and uh, you, you know, you're really gonna uh, definitely uh, ambush and, and ruin your uh, audience when you uh, try to badmouth uh, the, the president of the United States, especially when there were so many people that watched your movies that voted for him. And they don't get that. They think they're on top of the world. They, you know, they're pompous. They think that their uh, their shit don't stink. And uh, people, they think people actually listen to them and people actually take political advice from these celebrities, which is disgraceful. Well. Weinstein you know? is actually another good good example of what's going on with them. They ha- they all praise Harvey Weinstein for yes. giving them jobs, for yes. giving them money, for for making these movies for them. And they all knew what was going on, but in their minds yes. they eased their conscience that, well, this is for my career, so I'll do it, knowing how wrong it was. Yes. And then when they had the opportunity to do the Me Too movement, how can I yes. take you seriously? And then they're right. all trying to back away from it. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. You were you were in the muck with him. So yeah. I, it's it's so incredibly interesting how this is all just it's bubbling to the surface in an amazing rate. And and some yeah, people have, have have commented about them going so far to the left. It was Bernie Sanders three years ago when I was uh, campaigning. He he commented that. Um, what he was saying was was radical. Well, now everybody's over there. Well, it's because they're trying to go so far away from the conservative to grab those people. They're really exposing who they truly are, what their true motives really are. And I'm I keep yeah. praying the American people wake up and see this, especially the right. moderates in the middle middle America that, that you know maybe don't necessarily pay attention to all this. But I yeah. really hope that they're okay. The, and Rory, I'm sure you're going to talk about it. The abortion or the, um, oh, yeah. the right to life Definitely. bill that was just voted on, and all the Democrats voted it down except for three, I think. How many in middle America are really going to want to agree with? Yeah, it's okay if the doctor and the mom say, yeah, let's go ahead and kill it, even though it's been born. How many are really going to want to go that direction? Very, very true. Very true. Um, I do got to take a commercial break. Um, Josh, any final thoughts? And then we're going to come back and introduce our, our next guest, Pamela, stay on the line. Okay. Yeah, you know, just uh, just real quick here before the break, you know, uh, what I thought Pamela just said was fantastic about uh, middle America. And, I mean, when they, when they yep. twist everything like they are, it's creating, it's creating a situation where the majority, I mean, a third – of the the voter base that is those independent people that really change who wins and who loses in these elections, they're continuing to push those people away. I hope that these people see that they're being pushed away, though. That's the key. 
And, I mean, like she said, that's what we need to pray for is that that continues to happen. Yeah, and, and just, you know, my final words before we go to the break regarding this, every single election cycle, you know, as far as I can remember, the Democrats, you know, they just – I mean, it's been a while since they've done good with the middle-class voters. What they usually target is minorities, women, uh, millennials, uh, that sort of situation. And it's, you know, it's like they, they, they just, you know, the thing about Trump is he talked to everyone. He's for everybody. The Democratic Party is only for people that they know they can get the votes for. You know what I mean, Josh? I mean, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And, and that's the way that they built up. The Democrat Party used to be the party of the working class union going, you know, um, worker in, in the, you know, in Ohio, for instance, where I'm from, that so many people were Democrats around me, but it's completely, it's, it's, they've had to switch because the, the Democratic Party has done nothing for them. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, we're going to go to commercial. Everybody, we'll be right back. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All righty, we are back. I do want to welcome our, uh, our guest, political strategist, activist, and author of the best-selling books, The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama, and the scandalous presidency of Barack Obama, Matt Margolis. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good, man. It's great to have you here. Um, obviously, I have a, a, a different bunch of different questions for you. You're a good friend of the show. You've, you've been here uh, multiple times before. Um, you, what did you think of, you know, the liberalism at the Oscars last night? I mean, just the way they took – you know, the whole race baiting and the, the feminist movement and, you know, tried to bash Trump. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? We were just talking about it a second ago. I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Well, you know, I didn't even bother to watch it because, I mean, I haven't watched the Oscars in years. Uh, yeah. You know, as, as Hollywood continues to go further and further to the left, it's like I don't need to watch a bunch of people celebrate themselves and then bash yeah. people like me. You know, I just don't need that. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I've read about some of the things that have happened and it's, and it's like, you know, uh, I think the problem with, with these people is that it's not about the um, don't realize that they are alienating a big chunk of their audience, it's that they don't care. I mean, um, I forget yeah. which, which uh, late night host it was, but uh, maybe it was Jimmy Kimmel or something like that where he was like, I don't want Trump supporters to to watch my show. I don't know if it was him or not, but you know there have been a couple that have said yeah. something like that. And oh, that like, was that was Seth really? Meyers. I mean, I mean that's like half of the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, it, they don't yeah, care. It, it's mind blowing. It really is, and uh, you know it's it's crazy. I I do want 
I do want to talk about your book in detail, Matt, your books and, you know, the different stuff you're doing. Um, but first I want to get to a topic that you probably have been following very closely and everybody on the line has, Jesse Smollett. Um, <laughs> you know, late, <laughs> late last week, I um, – no, late last week, they came out, uh, the Chicago uh, Police Department, and made a statement – uh, saying that he filed a plot, false police report, and he totally set this whole thing up, and it was confirmed, and they were charging him. And I called this out weeks ago on the show and knew this guy was lying from the minute he reported it. And I'll tell you why. None of it added up. You have paint, bleach, a guy with a ski mask, shorts, and uh, at 2 a.m. in minus 20-degree weather – in downtown Chicago, two white guys attacking a black guy? Come on, man. I mean, and I said perfectly uh, clear that this guy was the ultimate victim, gay and black, and he could easily make any sort of situation up. We've seen it, and I also mentioned this is right around political season, and uh, it's just too suspicious and fishy. And then I find out that he is very close allies with Camilla Harris. Um, we know this woman is as evil as it gets. She is the definition of evil. Um, she's up there with Hillary Clinton. But, uh, you know, it makes me think. And, you know, I, I don't like to read into conspiracy theories all the time, and, and not too often, only some of the stuff that makes sense. But, you know, if she had anything to do with this, shame on her. And I would not put it past her. And same with Cory Booker. He has connections to Jesse Smollett. These Democrats pull these sort of stunts all the damn time. And now, today in the paper, we see that Trump's getting falsely accused of some woman that claims that he tried to kiss her and she didn't want it. Give me a break, man. You see what this woman looks like? I, nobody would touch her with a <laughs> 10-foot pole. I mean, this is, this, is, this is nonstop. And shame on Jesse. Because you know what? Jesse did something that is a slap in the face to people that have been assaulted, a slap in the face to people that have been hurt and, and not gotten their justice. He wanted to do this because he wanted to – he had an album coming out. He wanted to further promote it. He wanted to get you know, more recognition. He didn't – and there was another story. He didn't like uh, – he was getting paid only barely over a million a year on his show. And this, this guy's crying about being a millionaire. I mean, this, this is ridiculous, just everything that came out of this guy's mouth. What, what are your thoughts, though? Um, I want to go to Josh first. Well, I mean, you know, and we touched on this a lot last week before we knew that he had yeah. been uh, charged, obviously. Officially charged. You know, and, and, yeah. you know, and at the bottom of the line is, like you just said, he's creating a situation where now this is going to – hurt people in the future where they're actually being racially uh, you know attacked because of their race which is a wrong thing to do but he basically took yeah. a terrible situation yeah. a, a potential yeah. terrible situation and tried to profit and off of it made it well and tried to use it for profit which is like the yeah. most which is like literally the most terrible thing you can possibly do is create a fake situation to try to piggyback off of other people's suffering, basically, is what he did. Shame on him, uh, and shame on everyone who was involved. Absolutely. Uh, Pam, go ahead. 
Um, I I am finding it very troubling. I'm not surprised, but I am troubling. Me neither. That Me now, neither. <laughs> <laughs> that, that now that it is all coming out, that he is trying to use a, oh, I'm addicted to drugs um, defense, and the media is covering for him. Um, yeah. It's highly disturbing how many people are buying into this, and then, you know, on the other hand, you've got, if a conservative were to do this, as we've commented many, many times before, uh, they would have been yeah. wiped off. All hell would break loose. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to comment real quick, Rory, you brought up um, the thing about uh, the person giving the accusation against Trump with the kiss. First of all, he's yeah. campaigning. And they're already attacking right. him with this stuff. He's not going to do yeah. that. But as this starts coming And they out, claim it was remember. two and a half years ago. Why didn't, why didn't she come yeah. out two and a half years ago if she was so traumatized, you know? Exactly. But as this starts to come out, let's all remember that Lieutenant Governor Fairfax is still in office. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, is- you know, I got to play something. Speak, keep going, though. I'm going to find the clip, but I'm going to play Fairfax, what he said yesterday. and It's disgraceful what he said, but go ahead. Last week, we had um, a lot of lists coming out about all these hoaxes. Um, I had started putting a a list together myself of actual attacks against Mm -hmm. mega people that are not reported. So we have hoaxes just covering the front pages for for days and weeks at a time, and then you have actual attacks. Actual, yep. These are hate crimes. Yep. These are people right. being triggered by a hat. And right. For people, for instance, not being. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Keep, keep, I was going to give an example. No, no, I'm, no. Go ahead. I was, I was coming to the end. Okay, but for example, uh, we had I think two or three attacks on Trump supporters just in the past week. Some guy pulled a gun on a Trump supporter because he didn't like his hat. Some woman in a restaurant uh, came up and grabbed a guy's mega hat and kept grabbing it off of him, assaulting him. The police had to come. Um, people, I mean, it, it's nonstop. I keep reading stories about it. And, and you know well, what? I, if this was a liberal Obama supporter getting attacked, everybody would freak out. All hell would break loose. But since it's a conservative Trump supporter, nobody gives a shit. You know? Yeah. There was the, um, there was the conservative that was attacked at Berkeley last week. And, yeah, he uh, got punched I, in the I, yeah I, the guy that got punched in the face. Yeah. I just noticed something on Twitter today that apparently he has been identified. He's a thirty-year-old Antifa antagonist, and so there, there he's you go. wearing a backpack and he's acting like he's a student on Berkeley. And he his goal, knowing that he's Antifa, his goal was to go attack a conservative. We're getting out of yeah. the. the yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, you know, part of me thinks Berkeley is responsible for, for this kind of stuff because, you know, this kind of stuff happens at Berkeley all the time because it's a liberal cesspool and people are constantly getting attacked there. And it makes me think that the faculty or the, 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 the board there is they, – they know this is happening because you look at the dynamics there and it's, their conservatism is not tolerated. What, what's the worst part about it is I'm not going to necessarily hold them accountable for the attack happening, but they are sitting back and not doing anything, and that I will hold them accountable for. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Um, I want to play what uh, Justin Fairfax said uh, yesterday. 
Uh, and then, Matt, I'm going to go right to you. Um, but I want everybody to hear this. I mean, this is the Democratic Party victimhood. I mean, the, the way he talks, you know, if a Republican said anything like this, I mean, just the double standard is so real. Um, one four, here it comes. He compares it, his sexual assault allegations to a modern-day lynching. This guy's ridiculous. I've heard much about anti-lynching uh, on the floor of this very Senate uh, where people were not given uh, any due whatsoever, and we rue that. Uh, we talk about hundreds, uh, at least 100 terror lynchings that have happened uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia under those very same auspices, and yet we stand here in a rush to judgment with nothing accusations and no facts and we decide that we are willing to do the same thing so uh, i trust uh, in my god i trust in the fairness of each one of you i trust in your good hearts uh, and this is much bigger oh save it uh this this guy you know this is the same guy that was wanting trump impeached and talked shit about trump uh when 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 different stuff came out and, and didn't want trump to have any due process same with all the other Democrats. I mean, it, you know, but since it's a Democrat, I mean, they are the ultimate victims. That's all they do is play the victim, the poor me game. You know, uh, I didn't do this. I, there's no way I could do this. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such baloney. I, mean, I hate their phony mindset. Um, Matt, go ahead. I want you to respond to this. You've been following oh. this really close. Uh, well, you know, uh, I was thinking about uh, the, the recent allegations against Trump. And uh, what, yeah. what I found really interesting about it is, especially in the context yeah. of everything else that's happening, is that yeah. the, the Washington Post story that, that, that broke it uh, acknowledges yeah. several paragraphs in a couple of interesting facts. One, that, uh, that this woman, the accuser, named two witnesses to, to the incident, both of whom uh, said that they did not see it happen. And uh, the other thing, uh, the other uh, interesting nugget is the fact that this happened in 2016, allegedly, uh, but she was saying good things about him and wanting, you know, jobs in the campaign or, or, or the White House or whatever, applying for jobs after the much, you know, months or a couple of year, or a year uh, after the fact. And yet she, she's suddenly traumatized by it now. Uh, for me, I wonder about the timing of all this. Why is this happening now as opposed to, uh, you know, when the Me Too thing was really, uh, you know, uh, going strong or, uh, you know, right after the Fairfax thing. Uh, And the only thing I can think of is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Mueller report coming out. And I think everyone is basically preparing for it to be a complete dud, that they're not going to, that there's going to be nothing noteworthy uh, in that. And, uh, Someone has has come approaching people connected to Trump and asking them as pro- probably paying them off, saying or saying or offering them money to to to, to you know to give make an accusation. Uh, I mean, it's just there's something that's so bizarre about this. And when when you look at what I like what I mentioned from the article that the that the the witness, alleged witnesses don't know anything. I mean, uh, we've seen this before. We saw it with Brett Kavanaugh. Um, yeah. We're, we're, and and we're seeing people on the left jumping on this like, oh, it's a credible accusation. You know, the same people yeah. that said Fairfax deserves uh, due process, and you know, this is just an allegation. You know, 
everyone seems to have a different set of standards of justice depending on who on on their political alignment, and and, and that's really sad because uh, you know, and I, I would say that with the Fairfax situation, uh, we do know that the that his accuser has been talking about this with people for quite some time, and yeah. you know, it's not like so you know there was this whole story about how she, how. Some friend of hers said that uh, she was going to vote for him. She said, "You can't vote for him. I told you that he, you know, that he raped me. How could you vote for this guy?" You know. So I mean, there, there's definitely more credible, uh, even yeah. if it is uh, unsubstantiated and, and hearsay at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, the allegations against Fairfax are far more credible than what we what we've seen going on against against Trump, or uh, certainly uh, uh, more credible than anything that was, uh, yeah. you know, said about Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, I really fear for this country in, in that, that that we're having the, this, these two standards of justice uh, because, you know, you know, and this all connects to, to Justice Smollett as well. I mean, people were yeah. so willing to believe him that it didn't matter. I mean, you know, everyone here that's, ta- that, that's talking with you tonight knew within – within a day of hearing the story that, that, that something was wrong with, with, with the story. Uh, yeah. But the media, the media had access to the same information we did, if not more, and they didn't question it. They just ran with it because it, it fits the narrative, you know. And and Jesse Smollett, here's a guy who figures, I got to do something to, to you know increase my credibility or or just to, just to get my name out there or whatever it was that he thought he was going to accomplish. What could, and, yeah. and he asked himself, what am I going to do? Well, I'm gonna make yeah. this into a whole, you know, Trump thing, anti-black, anti-gay, and play up that angle. Why did he think he could yeah. get away with that? Well, for the same reason that Kathy Griffin thought she could get away with uh, 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 posing with a picture of a, of a severed uh, Trump head, because she, because yeah. they think this is mainstream thinking. They think yeah, they are in the you, mainstream. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And if you really look at the big picture here. The Democrats have created entitled, arrogant, ignorant monsters. These people don't know what they're talking about. They're uneducated. They're entitled, these voters. And the politicians on the left are doing a great job at brainwashing them. You know, I I need to play this because this is atrocious. Uh, AOC, Cortez, I mean, she is just pure entertainment. But the stuff she says is completely atrocious and just ridiculous. I want to I want to play this just to kind of show everyone what the Democratic Party is based on, what what they actually believe. And this whole new Green Deal, anybody that actually believes that crap and actually takes it seriously has serious problems. And you know that's most of the left. I mean they they're taking it seriously. It's like whatever you feed them, they they'll believe as long as it's from Bernie or Cortez or Camilla, smelly feminist Harris. Uh, you know, it's it just it's it just it's an ongoing cycle. But here's the clip. Uh, gotta hear this. One, two. Republicans have described Ocasio Cortez as the leader of her party, as the boss of the Democratic Party, and there's a reason that they're saying that because she is, and she said so herself in an interview. On- <laughs> oh, it's unrealistic. Oh, it's vague. Oh, it doesn't address the minute things. And I'm like, you try. You do it, because you're not, because you're not. So until you do it, I'm the boss. How about that? Jesus. She's 
the boss. So how did this happen? Well, for the last two years, Democrats have been very distracted. They have spent all of their time hating Donald Trump. None of their time thinking about what they would do if they ever took charge, as he just did at the Congress last November. So they arrive again in Washington in January, and they have no idea what to do. Lucky for them, someone had a plan. She was a 29-year-old bartender from the Bronx. She showed up with a brand-new Democratic platform already written. She imposed it on her party. It's called the Green New Deal. And in less than two months, she has basically convinced the entire leadership of the Democratic Party to buy into this plan, to ratify it. It's a perfect plan. It would shut down the entire American economy except for these hedge funds that fund Democratic campaigns. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. There's only one downside. The plan, if enacted, would cost, some estimate, more than the entire global GDP. Not the GDP of the United States, but the GDP of the world. It's pretty expensive. But it doesn't bother Ocasio-Cortez at all. She doesn't care. Listen to her describe her reaction to the bean and This is too expensive. Here's what she says in response. Our planet is going to face disaster if we don't turn the ship around. And so it's basically like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. Oh, my God. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should is it okay to still have children? Is it okay to still have children? Well, I don't know, Alexandria. Can we? You're the boss now. If you say we can't reproduce the species, of course we won't. It's your call. My gosh. It's a measure of how cowardly and passive everyone's become all of a sudden that a chorus of right-thinking Democrats has until this idiotic windbag to be quiet and take a seat. Don't talk until you learn something. But, of course, nobody's done that. They're all too afraid of her. What you're watching isn't politics. It's a children's crusade, an army of tiny combatants marching off in oversized clothes into an unknown, puffed up with ignorant self-righteousness. Last week, as if on cue, activists showed up with a group of kids to harass California Senator Dianne Feinstein for the crime of not endorsing the Green New Deal. <laughs> Oh my God! You know what's interesting about this group? I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in. Feinstein. <laughs> I don't respond to that. Any plan that doesn't take bold, transformative action is not going to be what we need. Well, you know better than I do. So I think one day you should vote for the Senate. That's indoctrination. A little bad for Dianne Feinstein. This is not the politics that she joined. When Dianne Feinstein became a U.S. senator 27 years ago, the Democratic Party was still sort of tethered to reality. They cared what the middle class was they did. They wanted a secure border. Diane Feinstein made that case herself. They said they wanted abortion to be legal, but at least they said they also wanted it to be rare. They never told you not to have children. Diane Feinstein is 85 now. She is not the future of the Democratic Party. Comrade Ocasio-Cortez is the future. She's arrogant and dumb, but at one point she's absolutely right. She 
is the boss. Jeez. Well, there. I mean, I, I gotta I gotta introduce our, our Matt. You're gonna stay on the line, but I gotta introduce our next guest here in a second. But I wanna uh, talk about this real quick. Um, I'm gonna go to Josh first. But Josh, I mean, this is mind blowing, man. They are messing with little kids. Now they're putting all these ideas in the and, and totally misguiding these young children and the fact that these adults are trying to brainwash them and manipulate them and put all these thoughts in their head and then they go to diane feinstein they didn't they didn't come up with this by themselves they were you know pressured to do it by an adult and we know how kids are but josh go ahead i mean here's the deal the the situation that we have here is Children are supposed to believe adults most of the time. When an adult tells something to a kid, the kid's just like, oh, okay, I guess that's the way it is. When we have AOC saying that this, the world is going to survive for another 12 years, listen, if I was just going to say things that didn't matter, or, you know, just say things that had no factual backing, I mean, I could say anything I wanted. Uh, in, in 12 years, um, I don't know, moose are all going to be blue. Does that make it true that moose are all going to be – that doesn't – who cares? First off, I have, there's nothing that supports that claim. And, and second off, when you start saying, telling that to kids and kids start to hear this, what type do you think they're going to they're gonna start saying? Mom, Dad, my teacher today told me that in 12 years all the moose are going to be blue, so we need to go make sure that we see the moose before they turn blue. I mean, this is the same situation or another real-life situation that we have with the idea that the, the ice caps are shrinking or that polar bears are going extinct. Both of those things are not true or factually backed at all, but when you say them, they sound scary, and then you get people to vote your way because you're apparently, quote-unquote, helping, trying to help the situation. I mean, this is the whole idea of, like, uh, like Pam just said in the, in the middle of that thing, indoctrination. That period, this is indoctrination. They yep. want future voters. 100%. This is how you get them. When you lie to kids as an adult, Guess what they're going to do? They're going to have a false reality of the way that the world is going unless they find out from someone else or their self in the future. But, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of kids at the age that they're at, I mean, from, from when they're born to out of high school, the things that they learn are going to infect the rest of the way that they live life. A lot of people don't get out of the holes that are dug by what their teachers or parents tell them. And when you have people telling them things that are not true – in any facet of reality, you're going to get people who continue to vote Democrat and who really have, I mean, no real sense of what reality is. Yeah, well said. Uh, Pam, go ahead. Um, first, I grew up in the 70s, and I was petrified or uh, scared, I should say, by, by teachers because an ice age was coming. They told us we were going to be covered in ice, and they were trying to do things to melt the ice because we were getting too cold. Well, hey, what? It's like 2019, and there's no ice. So it's just I've lived through that. It's bull crap, and I can say that <laughs> because I know that. Um, no. With, uh, with uh, Ocasio-Cortez, <laughs> I, find it, I find it funny that she said, um, her thing is we have to fix this climate change for the children in our future because we we don't want to destroy their future. But 
they don't have any problem with destroying those kids before they even come out with the womb without even giving them a future of having their first birthday. I, I, right. Their whole concept, their whole – they want to say they're moral, but what kind of morality is that? And the same with the teacher. The teacher with the Feinstein video, if you actually watch the video, there was a teacher there, and she was kind of saying the same thing. We have to fix this climate change. When Feinstein brought up cost, to, to her credit, she brought up cost, and the teacher was like, well, that, that doesn't matter because the climate change is more important than the cost. We have to save our children from the climate change. But what she's completely ignoring is you're going to destroy their future anyway because the cost is yeah. going to bankrupt them. Their children, yeah. if we try to pay for this now, we are completely destroying any financial future, stability, yeah. or progress for these kids because we're selling, we're, we're giving away, we're using their wealth, their kids' wealth, and their grandkids' wealth. That's what this right. is going to cost us. And one more yes. thing with, with Feinstein, one more comment with Feinstein. The funniest thing out of that video when I heard it the first time was uh, she was saying, you're sitting here and telling me it's my way or the highway. Well, I don't respond to that. Yeah, because you're usually the one on the other side, sweetheart. You're usually the one saying my way or the highway. And it's, it's kind of interesting, though, because these Dems that have pushed this, they're behind that push. They're now being pushed back by those people that they've indoctrinated. It's going to be an interesting yeah. year and a half, two years with the uh, election cycle to see how those people are going to go after the liberal um, Congress people who are running for office. And they're going to get that pushback because these people now believe it. They believe the climate change. They're believing the socialism. It, it's going right. to be interesting. And it's amazing how these voters think money – especially on the left. They think money grows on trees. They want all this free shit. They want all this stuff handed to them, and they just don't have a clue. I mean, there's so many people entitled in today's society. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Rory. And then, uh, yeah. Real quick, I just want to say something right before Matt here. I, you know, Pam just touched on a fantastic point about bankruptcy. I mean, the Green New Deal specifically is economic suicide, period. It wouldn't, the best part about it yep. is this isn't something that we can sustain for a couple years. This is something that, if enacted, would destroy our economy and our way of life in an instant, like that. So, I mean, that's how ridiculous this is. Facts go out the window. It's just about what they feel like is the right thing to do, which, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter what the facts say. But anyway, yeah, I know. Matt, go ahead. Well, you know, I think uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez deserves some credit because as long as she's out in the news, we don't need a, a reboot of the movie Clueless because she gives us that basically every single day. Uh, it's it's really kind of sad because, you know, when when she talks, she talks like someone. She talks like your typical, like stereotypical, like valley girl who doesn't really know anything about life. She's just kind of regurgitating things that she. She picks up, and, you know, she kind of has that, like, weird, like, sounding like everything she says is, like, a question. Like, the Green New Deal is going to make things better. You know, like, it's, it's I mean, she, I mean. That uptick, that uptick at the end. <laughs> Every time I hear her talk, I'm thinking, like, what am I listening to? I mean, she, I, mean I don't know why people take her seriously. And, it's, and the sad thing is, 
people do. I mean, there are people who are talking about, oh, it's too bad she can't run for president. We should change the law so she can run for president. <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you Matt stupid? Brings up, Matt, can I ask you a question? Sure. Because you, you've written several books about Obama. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Back in – We're going to get into that, too. It, well, it kind of, it Go ahead, though. You can ask him the question. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I can't remember if it was 2004 or 2006. I think it was 2004. Barack did his speech at the DNC. It must have been 2004. And it 2004. was, oh, the shining star. And a lot of us kind of put him on the back burner. It was, yeah, maybe someday. And then in those four years, they really pushed him, and obviously we know what happened. Um, a lot of us are kind of pushing Ocasio-Cortez off as she's a she's a dimwit, she's ignorant, not stupid, she's ignorant of a lot of this stuff. I'm as someone who has studied Barack and his rise and everything seeing a, a Barack 2.0 here. Uh, I mean, it's definitely Good possible, uh, but but you know, I mean, I think she. Um, I think she does something that, that Barack Obama didn't necessarily do. You know, Barack Obama, at least on the campaign, tried to present himself as, as uh, or present himself more closer to the center, even though he really wasn't, and none of us really believed it. I mean, she, from the get-go, is trying to push, you know, the par- party and the country to the, to the, to the left. Uh, and and I do think that there there are maybe a few uh, reasonable Democrats out there that uh, aren't will are, are are certainly a little bit off put by that. But definitely, uh, you know, one thing we saw with with Obama in 2008 was that there are people who were intoxicated by this idea that we had to elect the you know the first black president. This is going to heal our wounds and all that stuff. And I don't think that. Uh, and we did not see a similar thing when it came to Hillary with we have, we have to elect. I mean, there was certainly all that rhetoric about it, but, you know, there wasn't this overwhelming, like, uh, the middle was not voting for her just because she was a woman the same way that the middle was voting for Obama because he was black. Uh, I think, oh, I think that um, AOC, she, at this point, because of the way she's approaching the with, with this absurd uh, Green New Deal, uh, she's not going to win over the people that that Barack Obama knew he had to win over in order to to be a viable candidate nationwide. Uh, that doesn't mean someone's not going to hit her across the face with the baseball bat, and she's suddenly going to wake up re- realizing, oh, I got to actually you know use some brain cells and rub them together and see what happens. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, I, I so just I don't I don't sure see that at this point, but I, you know, I mean, yeah. but that she's got a cult following that that's definitely we can't ignore it. But and, I don't see her as being I, that person yet. I that and that's exactly it. I just want to make sure that we are not dismissing her the same way a lot of us I think dismissed Brock, and then have you know kind of come up and smack us in the back of the head. Um, right. But yeah, I just want to make sure we're. we're keeping that in our mind as we're going through this well well said um we're going to take one a quick commercial break uh matt stay with us and we'll be right back with uh, rob cohen uh stay with us everybody is video a part of your strategy for 2019 
Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. All righty, we are back. Um, I do want to introduce um, our next guest, very, very popular guy, he's done a lot in his life, um, veteran, physician, scientist, world traveler, and poverty reduction expert and podcast host, Rob Cohen. How are you, my friend? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, welcome back, Rob. And uh, Rob, uh, please, you know, tell everyone, you know, I want to get into the overseas stuff. You know, um, you've been overseas. You were in battle. uh, You were in the the military. You're also a physician. Um, You also have so many different uh, outlooks and and ideas of how to reduce poverty in these places. You know, I want to talk to you about that. But first of all, I want to ask you, how do you feel about President Trump getting back our, our hostage from Yemen? And, and please explain to us kind of the, the atmosphere in these places where, you know, people get kidnapped and taken hostage and, you know, th- this crazy stuff happens. Yeah, so, I mean, the Middle East has been – I mean, a lot of people know all the, a lot of the history, but I will go through it just in case we miss anything. So, the, you know, the Middle East, the Middle East has been a uh, – really sad story since the end of world war one when the uh when uh the ottoman empire broke up and and really random borders were drawn um syria was the worst case where they kind of lumped together a bunch of ethnic groups that had um really never lived well with each other at least not in a very long time and so things had just kind of got worse over a while they became played against each other in the cold war you know israel was very much uh, an american ally syria was very strong soviet ally and during this time, especially in Arab countries, and a lot of this has been pretty well documented, you know, the, the, the leaders of these countries got very, very rich um, while the poor people, you know, while the poor people in their countries suffered terribly, right? And so as, as this happened and what goes on for generations and generations, you get a very rich elite and a, and a very large, very poor masses. And so when you see these intractable problems like the problems we got in Iraq or Afghanistan or Pakistan, or Syria, or Yemen especially. Yemen is such a tragedy. I mean, Yemen is essentially running out of water right now. They're the worst famine on earth. 
Um, they, they, they get most of their water from one underground source, which is being rapidly depleted because they've been overpopulated and dominated by the people nearby. And, um, and then, you, you know, it's not surprising in a desert when you overpopulate and you basically don't have a functioning society, um, you get these terrible tragedies. Just as one set of numbers I have off the top of my head because we've been talking about it recently on the podcast, Egypt, when Hosni Mubarak took over in 1980, had a population of 40 million Today it has a population of 91 million. That means the popula- in 30, 40 years the population more than doubled. So the, the dictator of this country that probably didn't have his people's best interests at heart anyway had to somehow in a desert double the infrastructure, the jobs, the economic growth, the health care. And, and that really is impossible. And so – or at least it's pretty much impossible. I mean and maybe, maybe a Herculean feat could do it. But – um, so you look at all these, you know, Yemen problem, year after year problem. You mentioned a recent issue, which is good. It's always good to get hostages back. But Yemen is a real tragedy. And, and you, you, you know, we could go through – we won't do it, but we could go through literally every country in the Middle East. And unless they have tons of oil or the very rare exception like Morocco where you have a, uh, a leader who's pretty wise, but even he, you know, th- there are issues there as well. You get these, these recurring tragedies that of course then have you know not surprisingly people will become radicalized and then you get terrorists and then America has to go in and or at least they think they do and spend a trillion dollars and uh, lose a lot of soldiers and so it's it's you know it'd be really nice if we could like learn the lessons of history and maybe get out in front of the problem instead of reacting. Yeah, very very well said. And you know when you've been over there firsthand. Um, you know, from a from a just the the climate there and just the way the dynamics are and everything, um, it, it's. It, I mean, how how do you explain it? I mean, how do you like just the the ways to reduce poverty, the the problems that are occurring on the everyday streets? I mean, obviously terrorism, but there's other things as well. Yeah. So the theory about how you would somehow reduce poverty is actually not too different from the United States. Um, and, and we call it multi-sectoral sustainable development. And I'll explain that what that means. Basically, when you're in a country who's re- where your people are really poor, whether it's you know some communities in America, um, you know it's really hard to get ahead, right? So even if you know, so basically you spend every dollar you have um, just trying to stay alive, and so that means you don't have any uh, investments, any any savings to invest in your children, like education or healthcare or a well to get water or a tractor to maybe get your farm. And the other thing that these poor communities do is they tend to have a lot of children um, and it's because often there's not a lot of jobs. And so maybe, maybe you want to work the farms. And so that means you have a lot of babies, a lot of kids, and every successive generation therefore has less resources per capita than their parents do. And that's called the poverty trap. And so the way out of the poverty trap is not easy, but it's been done. Uh, places like South Korea are a really wonderful example of this. Rwanda currently is really a, a pretty amazing story coming out of the genocide. You basically have to – because the people there don't have any money. Now, often the governments are stealing the money, so corruption is often a huge obstacle to somehow uh, dealing with this. Um, but what you have to do is, is somehow somebody, whether it's a private philanthropy or foreign aid or something like that, has to come in and, and help the people by investing in the so-called six pillars of sustainable development, which are agriculture, clean water, education, healthcare, infrastructure, and uh, rule of law, all of that creates the possibility for a functioning economy in which people can start to get jobs, develop uh, a business, 
and potentially pull themselves out of poverty takes a generation or two. Um, but, you know, there are success stories. You know, 50 years ago, South Korea looked like Somalia, and now it's a first world country that produces everything in the world. And so um, that's not the only example. Botswana, Ghana, Ghana is a country that's doing very well in Africa. A lot of Latin America was a real tragedy in the 60s and 70s when they were under brutal dictatorships and extremely unequal with real terrorist um, communities. You know, in, in South America, the terrorist communities tend to be communists. In the Middle East, they tend to be Islamists, but the terrorism sort of it does the same thing. I mean, the, the atrocities committed by the uh, FARC communists of Colombia or the uh, – I forget what they were called, but in Peru, they were just totally – they did awful things to, to the people. Um, so this is what you have to do, and it requires – uh, you know, it requires a lot. It's not easy. You know, these, these things are not easy. And we're blessed in America to not have this. But again, there are communities that that are trapped in the poverty trap. And and uh, you see the effects. And, and I would argue that as these things get worse, our society is more unequal. People get angrier. Opportunities get less. People don't really understand why they blame the elites who may or may not be corrupt. And uh, then you get the kind of sort of problems that we have here that are less extreme than they are in the Middle East. But um, you know, again, this is the place where we kind of know the answers and, you know, we've got some good test cases, um, which I could expand on if necessary. But uh, instead, we're kind of not doing what's right too frequently. And we just, you know, we go in, maybe we support a, a war and then we get out too early and then the country collapses and all the poor people are angry and there's life's no better than they were under the dictator. And then terrorism happens. I, I definitely want to get other people's thoughts, but uh, quickly, I want to ask you. Um, as a licensed physician and scientist, what kind of stuff do you notice over there? Obviously, it's night and day and much different, but different than here. Like, What, what kind of things do you observe that is very uh, worrisome? Uh, many. Um, so, um, okay, so nutrition is pretty rough, right? A lot of these countries are very dry. They don't have a lot of farmable land. And so producing enough food for their very, very fast-growing populations are really tragic. For example, people can Google the children who have to sift through garbage dumps in Egypt to come up with a couple of dollars to feed their family. Yemen, I mentioned they're, they're running out of water. Syria is going through a pretty severe drought right now, which led to rising food prices. In fact, rising food prices due to drought across the Arab world were often associated with, um, we, you know, we're often suggested to have contributed to the unrest. Uh, the corruption is pretty severe in a lot of these oil, more oil poor countries like Egypt, for example, or like, um, let's think, um, uh, maybe Tunisia, the corruption was pretty awful. And, and of course, that was the first country that had the Arab Spring. So when, when kids are malnourished, they really don't do well. Their, their mothers are often very disempowered because of the the local culture, mostly in the Arab world, is better in other parts of the Muslim world. Um, but that's bad because if the mom's not empowered, she often has to have a lot of kids. Maybe she doesn't get the proper education so she can take care of her kids. Um, and I, those are just uh, the things that I could think of off the top of my head. The education often is not good enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just stop there. It's a lot of problems. Uh, yeah, Josh, go ahead. You know, I had a question uh, in, involving the pover poverty, specifically in the Middle East. I wonder if you could touch on whether or not you believe that Islam is is hindering uh, the a majority a majority of the Middle East from getting out of the poverty situations they're in. So that's a very interesting question, and and I want to I, I want to say it's it's very nuanced. So, um, you know, it's is. 
many religions are interpreted in many different ways across history and across space and across geography, right? So the current way that Islam is interpreted specifically in the Arab world um, is, is pretty unproductive to their, abil- their country's ability to do well. Now, 500 years ago, the Ottoman Empire, which was in the exact same part of the world, was arguably the most flourishing um, part of Earth. You know, at that time, Europe was in the middle of the Dark Ages. Uh, you know, there were terrible things happening in Europe. The, the feudal lords ruled over everybody. China um, was just coming out of the, the Mongols had just invaded uh, and sort of devastated everything. And so, um, you know, there was a time in which Islam and prosperity flourished. Now, for the last hundred years, again, because of sort of the political and historical realities of the last century and the fact that Saudi Arabia has um, basically made a a devil's bargain, Uh, the rich oil leaders of their country have partnered with the religious community to spread a very, very puritanical and extreme form of Islam that is uh, very regressive and uh, retrograde and is not conducive to to succeeding unless you are like literally sitting on a mountain of oil like Saudi Arabia is. And so – you know, I would say just like Christianity went through a reformation in the 1500s and sort of allowed Europe to, ex- to extract itself from the domination of the, at the time, pretty corrupt Catholic Church. Similarly, Islam is kind of the same age of Christianity now, about 1,500 years old, and so it's kind of due for a reformation. And, and there are people that are trying, but of course the people in charge right now get really rich off the existing status quo, and often they can use religion to sort of keep their people maybe in line. Um, but there will come a point at which this will break, and I would argue it kind of has in places like Syria, Yemen, Libya, Iraq. I mean, we could just keep going. And, uh, and, and you know, if, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, if you don't mind, a quick follow-up here. You know, when you were talking about uh, countries that are sitting on oil like Saudi Arabia, curious about your take on Venezuela that obviously has been in the news a ton recently. I mean, they literally are sitting on the biggest known oil reserves, uh, you know, in the world, yet people are, I mean, uh, most of their population is going into a place of poverty where the inflation rate is a million percent, and, you know, people don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Yeah, I mean, oil is often more of a curse than a blessing. There's this phenomenon called the Dutch disease that you might have all heard of, which is the phenomenon in which, when a country discovers a ton of oil, their, their economy actually gets worse because when you only have one export, it's really, really a ripe opportunity for corruption. And so in Venezuela, you know, the story of the last 20 years in Venezuela is really tragic, right? So Venezuela used to be – before they discovered their most – I mean they always had a ton of oil, but then recently they discovered even more, and you're right. They are the number one reserves on earth right now. When they you – know, right around the time they discovered that, they elected this really awful guy, Hugo Chavez, who you know, made all these promises to his people that yeah, I was going to fix everything. And he did that by, spend, by basically raiding the oil reserves and spending into oblivion. The problem is then the price of oil crashed. And that didn't work, and then he started hyperinflation, printing money to try to cover it, 
And of course, that is the quick. If you want to destroy a country, I would argue the quickest way to do it is destroy its currency. And um, and so yeah, the Venezuela is is a tragedy. There are many things on Earth right now. Again, we talked about on on on, the, on our podcast where you could have a good outcome, but instead, poor policy by the elites not heeding the scientists, the experts, the economists, the lessons of history. Instead, you make all the mistakes that like have been made before. Like it's ridiculous. And in in Bolivia, Bolivia had had a terrible hyperinflation problem just 10 years prior. And right. And so and yet Venezuela repeats the mistake in 1985, basically. And so Venezuela now repeats that mistake. And of course, this guy in charge of Venezuela right now, Maduro, is is like as just as bad as Hugo Chavez, except without the charisma. And so, I mean, you know, it's nice to have oil if you manage it well. The Saudis are at least keeping their people um, fed. Their their system is working better in Venezuela. But of course, it has the other problems that we mentioned. Right. You know, Rob, I wanted to ask you, and I, and I think this is probably on a lot of people's mind. You know, we just saw recently how um, the Trump administration is refusing to let the jihad individual uh, that that left the United States to go marry to be an ISIS bride to marry a member of ISIS. What do you think the fascination is with people? from our country that want to join ISIS? That may be a complicated question and kind of a weird question, but at the same time, somebody has to be pretty messed up in the head to have that sort of mindset. Don't you agree? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, You know, it's, it's a well-known phenomenon. You know, it's, you look, you, you look at the pattern, right? So they, these people tend to be disaffected youth. They tend to be, um, second generation, so they aren't the immigrants. The first generation immigrants come here are grateful to have a better life, but the second generation yeah. kids, you know, some of them assimilate very well, and some of them aren't really sure who they are. Maybe they, maybe they get mad as a young man or woman, and they, they, they maybe they feel hurt by something that happens early in their life, which is valid or not, who knows? And then, you know, maybe they mm-hmm. were genetically predisposed to react poorly. And then, you know, they don't feel like their life's going very good here. And over there, they get to be a rock star. At least they think they do. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, been a lot of documentaries that I've watched on this. You know, it's the, the, the propagandists for ISIS were very much about, you know, promoting five star jihad. You know, you come over here and you live great. You get to ride around in trucks with guns and all the girls fly in from everywhere to marry you. And and, you know, the girls, the young girls, some of them, some of the impressionable ones, who knows what was going on in their family, who knows what's going on in their brain. You know, they found this alluring. Most people don't, but a minority of the population can, will probably find almost anything alluring. Um, that's the nature of our species. And so um, it, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a real phenomenon. When you see a pattern like this, you got to look a little deeper and figure what the hell is going on. It's probably a nature of, you know, our society is not doing great right now, right? I mean, we got... I've talked about this before. We have a $22 trillion debt. We have two parties that yeah. literally hate each other. Um, we, yeah. we have uh, – we, we, there's a lot of confusing things that are really scary, and when that happens, you're going to have people that don't react particularly well. Yeah, very, very well said. Um, I, want, I want to go to Matt. Matt, go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words on this particular topic. I think we've uh, – everyone's kind of – covered all the bases okay uh pamela go ahead um rob um you started off uh speaking and you talked about how 100 years ago world war one they they kind of arbitrarily broke up the ottoman empire and uh, 
it they actually broke it up so they would put um, groups that were against each other in the same country, and, and that started a lot of infighting and things like that. Two years ago, I did an article on this on Sykes Pico, and in that article, I, there's two things I'd like to ask you about. I'll just ask them and then let you go. Um, I found evidence, and, and part of that article was um, a lot of what was pushing some of the radical Muslims was they felt that that was kind of the beginning of all their problems, so their goal is to get back to the lines before Sykes-Pico. So the question with that is, are you seeing that? Are you seeing evidence of that? Is, is that a, a goal for them? Is that a motivation for them? And also, when you talked about the radical Islam, they're also talking about the 12th Imam. I don't know if you know anything about that, and if you do, is that also a motivating um, push for them to to do a lot of what they're doing over there, a lot of the havoc, a lot of the bloodshed, because they, with the 12th Imam, they believe they have to basically cover the, the earth with blood for the 12th Imam to come back, which is their basically savior. So I'll pose those two questions to you and let you go. All right, so Sykes-Picot, if anyone doesn't know, were the two negotiators, one from Britain, one from France, that basically drew the borders in the Middle East um, to after World War One. They gave Britain control over what is now Israel, Jordan, and uh, Iraq. They gave France control over what is now Lebanon and Syria. Uh, Britain probably also, uh, I think they already had uh, Egypt and their protectorate, and of course they loved that because the Suez Canal was very lucrative. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the Arabs view those borders as illegitimate, and they aren't helpful. I mean, they, they actually – they aren't. They, they the borders have helped create a lot of these problems because what the the British did is they went in there and like okay who can we prop up and like make colonial sort of uh, client uh, which did has also in Africa led to similar problems. You got really rich elites and a lot of really poor angry people. Now in, in the Middle East they're angrier than they are in Africa, but in Africa there's a lot of very. I mean you could you could go around most countries where. A, where had that, and of course the Rwanda genocide was very much a consequence of the Belgians uh, standing up the Tutsis, and then the Hutus were poor, and eventually got so angry that they revolted, and and uh, and the Rwanda genocide happened. So, um, so you can you can find ISIS videos in which Western jihadists say we want to abolish the Sykes-Picot Agreement. It's very much a part of their ideology. They have a point. Now it doesn't justify anything else they've ever done, but. Um, but uh, but it's true that those those lines are not helpful. Now, what do you do once those lines are drawn? That's a totally separate question. You know, one place you can draw you can draw a better line, and maybe maybe it doesn't cause bloodshed. Another place you can draw a line, and then there's lots of bloodshed that happened when they drew a line between India and Pakistan. There was you know to try to separate the Muslims and the Hindus who had lived together for like a thousand years, and it's mostly in peace. And then they drew this line, and there was this terrible Indo-Pakistan war in which a lot of people died, and that's why India and Pakistan hate each other now. And then they did the same thing in South Sudan. They drew a line between North Sudan and South Sudan. And um, and then, of course, that did not make the situation any better. Now South Sudan is arguably the worst civil war on earth, or at least one of them. Um, and so uh, you know, what you do about this, who knows? That is ISIS's goal is to abolish the Sykes-Picot line. But I will say a lot of Arabs um, also who don't support ISIS also don't like the Sykes-Picot line. They would prefer um, – you know, there are thousands of tribes. If you just go to Syria, there are a lot of small communities like the Druze. Uh, who are a relatively peaceful people that 
um, sur- are surrounded by these people. There's the Kurds, right? Our best friend in the Middle East who were totally screwed over by the British and then later by the Americans. Um, the Kurds have been a consistent society with their own language and own culture for uh, like 2,000 years, and, and they don't have their own state. And so there are better <laughs> states around uh, ethnicities. The problem is uh, getting from here to there without bloodshed is, is very hard. Um, but certainly we can do – we should – the world – should do, be able to do better than it is right now. To your second point about the Twelvers, um, to be honest with you, I have not read up a lot on that recently, so okay. I think I'll refrain from commenting. Okay. Well, I agree with you. It, on, on the site, Pico, I will say, on one hand, you have uh, to the victor goes the spoils, but I'll tell you what, that Sykes-Pico agreement was, it, it was pretty bad. And, and Lawrence Arabia went down there, and he was helping the, the Arabs fight against the um, the radicals, I guess you could say, and and then to to have the Sykes Pico turn around and then basically stab those people in the back. It, it it was not a good situation. It was it was not handled well. So thank you for that. No, it wasn't. I, uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Hey Rob, I uh, I do I do want to thank you um, for coming on. I uh, any fi- any final questions? I know I know you got to go, but any final questions for Rob? Anybody? Um, okay, uh, but yeah, Rob, I um, I, I want to thank you for coming on, man. You've, you're always a fantastic guest. You always give so much great insight, so much great uh, knowledge, uh, and uh, you're a good friend of the show, man. And I want to have you back soon. Hey guys, it was a pleasure. Good night. Thanks, Rob. All right, take care, Rob. Thank you. Excellent. Um, I do want to take a quick commercial. Uh, we'll be right back, and then uh, we'll be talking to uh, Matt Margolis about his uh, book regarding the most scandalous and worst president in history, Barack Hussein Osama. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. All right, we are back. Um, A huge show, huge show. We got so much going on. I want to I want to get to real quick the Kim Jong Un scenario and, and Matt we're going to get to your book here in a second your book but uh, so Trump Trump is over right now in um, North Korea he's heading over there as everybody knows this is the second trip uh, that he's seen Kim Jong Un he uh, visited with, visited with him last year and the meeting went really well and uh, they've you know, became uh, pretty, uh, you know, uh, cordial. I mean, they, they get along. And, uh, you know, this could not have happened with any other president. I mean, Trump just knows strategy. He knows how to take control of a situation. You know, he's dealt with, you know, in business with people all over the world his entire life. And there's a valid reason why they call him one of the greatest negotiators to ever live. Um, you know, he has those credentials, and he can back them up in two seconds. And you see Kim Jong-un, you know, coming to the table, 
because you know he really doesn't have a choice. And Trump is being as, uh, you know, accommodating as possible and, and trying to help this guy. And Trump really thinks that North Korea could be a strong economic powerhouse uh, for, you know, different vacation settings for people, uh, trips and stuff. And, uh, you know, Trump's going over there with a business state of mind, with a real estate state of mind, going to present to Kim, you know, what Kim can do with his country and, you know, the greatness that will come with, uh, he, you know, the greatness that will come with it as long as he complies uh, with, with our president. And, you know, I, I don't see any indi- indication that this meeting is going to go bad. I see this meeting going perfectly. Uh, you know, it, it goes to show that uh, Trump, uh, you know, is a miracle man. I mean, you saw Obama and you saw these past presidents, and, you know, they wouldn't give these leaders the time of day. And, you know, it's amazing to think within Trump's first two years, he's already uh, working out this problem and solving this issue. Because don't forget, when Obama left office, you know, he claimed that North Korea was the biggest threat. And all Trump did was get out his magic wand and look what happened. But here we go. We, I want to play this uh, uh, pre, uh, pre-game uh, scenario uh, with North Korea and what we should expect. Uh, let me get this up right now. Bear with me. Uh, where is it? Mm-hmm. Bear with me, guys. I'm just I'm pulling it up right now. Here we go. One four. There's always the chance that there could be a breakthrough this week. There are officials in the government in South Korea that are talking about the possibility that President Trump. And Kim Jong-un could finally sign an agreement to end the decades-long Korean War, which has only been in a ceasefire since the 1950s, never really ended. But it's expected that most of the progress here is going to be incremental. The president pursuing four goals in his talks with Kim, the so-called four pillars, establishment of new relations, a lasting and stable peace, complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, and recovering POW MIA remains. The most important thing for the president, he says, is to develop a relationship with him. The the idea is that if the two leaders have an open and ongoing dialogue, progress can be built from there. Listen to what the president said last night at the Governors Association dinner. It's uh, a very interesting thing to say, but I've developed a very, very good relationship. We'll see what that means. But he's never had a relationship with anybody from this country and uh, hasn't had lots of relationships anywhere. The president's critics, though, say that he needs to get more from Kim than the last summit. While North Korea has not fired a missile or tested a nuclear weapon in more than a year, they have also not taken any concrete steps toward dismantling their nuclear program. In a letter to the president, Senate Democrats wrote, quote, We believe your next meeting with Kim thus must demonstrate tangible, verifiable progress on denuclearization and reducing tensions with the North. But the president is willing to give it time believing that building trust will reduce tensions and ultimately yield results. Listen here again, the president. But we're not removing the sanctions. And we're going to have, uh, I think, a very interesting two and a half days in Vietnam. The president is also continuing his sales pitch to Kim that North Korea's economy can flourish if it chooses to end its isolation. Teeing up his speech to the Governors Association this morning, the president tweeting, quote, With complete denuclearization, North Korea will rapidly become an economic powerhouse. Without it, just more of the same. Chairman Kim 
will make a wise decision. Talking to the governor just a few minutes ago, the president said he thinks he's going to have an incredible summit. The president will be leaving for Hanoi in the noon hour. Chairman Kim left for this summit on Saturday. He is traveling from Pyongyang in an armored train. <laughs> China and Vietnam, he'll get into a motorcade and drive the final 105 miles. An interesting way to get here. He flew, by the way, uh, Eric aboard Air China 747 uh, that the Chinese provided for him in last year's uh, summit to Singapore. But this time, he decided to take the train. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, Josh, I want to go to you first, but, you know, this this is really... Oh, shit. Hold on a second. Josh, I want to go to you, but, uh, you know, sorry, guys, there were some connection issues, but, you know, this, this whole North Korea summit and, you know, getting Kim Jong-un to denuke, de- which it looks like he's going to do because he doesn't really have an option unless he wants to run into further problems with the countries beside him and President Trump in the USA. So, you know, President Trump's really giving him a good option. Denuke, you know, give us the remains. Uh, Let's have peace, and you can become an economic powerhouse and have all the money you want for this country. And obviously Trump's putting in, you know, uh, human rights and telling Kim Jong-un to treat his people better and, you know, run his government properly. But what are your thoughts, Josh? Well, you know, I I think the thing that Trump is doing that is super fantastic, I mean, not only has he gotten farther than any other president with just being able to get this meeting uh, and the meetings that he's had and being able to have um, Ch- China and King Jong-un meet, as well as South Korea uh, and North Korea, you know, meet. But the way that he's coming at it from the perspective of you can be more prosperous if you allow your country to open up uh, and become a, you know, uh, first world country, basically, instead of a third world, which it is now. So I like the strategy that Trump is coming at. Instead of just saying what you're doing is wrong, he's saying, hey, listen, if you come and do stuff a little bit more like America does, you will be better. Not only will your, you know, your people be happier and you'll be more liked, but you're going to make you're going to be a richer country and you're going to have even more power than you did before by setting your people, quote unquote, free and, you know, allowing your country to basically open itself up. And so I love the strategy that Trump is approaching. Obviously, we'll see what ends up happening uh, if Kim ends up, you know, accepting or denying the uh, the way that Trump is talking. But I think it's a much better strategy than anything we've seen in the past. Yeah, very well said. Pamela, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Um. I was just going to comment that I think it's very interesting how the Democrats just always criticize Trump um, with his saying he's got this big ego and if you stroke it, you can get whatever you want. And then they're flabbergasted that Trump has this relationship with Korea when really all he's doing is the same thing to um, the Korean Kim Jong-un, right? Um, It's just he knows how to play that and he knows – you can kind of catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And he's playing that game and he's kind of stroking his ego. And it's just, it it just boggles my mind that the left just will not give him any credit of being able to do that. So that's, that's really all I've got to say. It's, it really is shameful. And, you know, Matt, I do want to get your thoughts 
you know, what do you think about this? I mean, look at this achievement. Considering Barack Obama said this was the biggest threat before he left office, and now Trump, I mean, he, Trump is doing the impossible. I mean, he's basically cleaning up, you know, uh, something that should have been dealt with a long time ago. Well, you know, what I find interesting about this is that, you know, the skepticism that we're seeing uh, from the left about North Korea and, and what Trump is doing. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go out there and say we should definitely be skeptical of North Korea and whether or not they're going to fall through and whether this is actually going to happen. That's totally legitimate. Mm-hmm. But these are the mm-hmm. same people who, when Barack Obama was trying to get his Iran, you know, deal with Iran, were, were basically just put the rose-colored glasses on and said, we can trust Iran no matter how many times they say death to America and you know, all the crap that they were doing. Uh, you know, the, the, the change in attitude is, is, is just mind-boggling because Iran gave us no reason to trust them. Obama didn't even try to make the case to the American people or to the Senate who had to ratify a treaty, which Obama, Obama went into a, the, the, his deal with Iran without, without even going to the Senate for, for, for uh, ratification of, of a treaty, which is their constitutional job. Now, yeah. what Trump is doing uh, you know, is, is more or less the same thing, uh, but, you know, I personally, me personally, I definitely trust uh, Trump to do a better job of getting a deal uh, that is actually going to make us safer uh, and is going to be a good deal for the, the people of North Korea as well that, than I ever yeah. trusted Obama to have the interests of the American people or, uh, you know, the, the, the Iranian people. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm definitely still in the camp where, uh, I am, I am not convinced that this is necessarily going to work, uh, the, the way maybe as Trump hopes it does right away. But I think in time it's, it's definitely possible. Uh, and at least he's, at least he's doing something. Uh, but you know, I, I think that, uh, we, we should approach this as we should approach every other thing, uh, that has happened with, with a healthy skepticism because, you know, North Korea has to not only show that they, they want to do this, but they have to prove that they, that they are following through. Now, Iran has never been able to prove that they, they were actually legitimately following through on, on the, the terms of the, of the Iran nuclear deal. You know, that was Obama's big uh, foreign policy achievement and it's gone Mm -hmm. up in smoke. Uh, you yeah. know, time will tell whether this is going to be a, a long-lasting legacy, uh, a foreign policy legacy for, for, uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, but there's definitely reason to be hopeful here. And, and if he can do that, and especially if he can, if he can do that before uh, 2020, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to bode very well for him uh, with, with the right. election. Right. Very, very well said. Um, stay, on, stay on the line, everybody. I do want to welcome our next guest. Popular talk show host, entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. How are you, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I, uh, I definitely want to get your thoughts on North Korea, and then I want you to tell us about your, we- your trip uh, to D.C. this past weekend where you got to hang out with President Trump, and you, uh, you, you, there was a bunch of things that happened, Terrence and all that stuff. But uh, start out with North Korea. What do you think about that? You know, um, North uh, President Trump is doing what the Democrats could never do. Yep. And it's a it's a major problem 
to the Democrats because Trump is doing everything that he said he would do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so true. And, you know, it's, it's one thing after the other. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's incredible. Every day is Christmas, waking up and having him as president. You know, it's, uh, it's one, it's, like I said, it's one promise every single day and multiple promises sometimes every day. I mean, he's always delivering to us. And the fact that he's right. done 80% of his, the fact that he's fulfilled 80% of his agenda with the, within a two-year time frame is unreal. I mean, this guy, all he does is work for us. You know, he's not, and that's what scares D.C., you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, with him going to Korea right now, they're trying to convince Mueller to, re- to release a report. And yeah. they're they're questioning is he actually going to? Is he not going to? Um, the last thing right. I saw that he wasn't going to. Um, if how true that is, I don't know. But right. personally, I think the Democrats want to release it now, and they want to see the content yeah. of the report, so then that way they can try to proceed with the coup that they have going on. Right, and don't don't forget that President Trump. Um, you know, they are trying in Congress this week, and it, it, they're trying to block uh, his national emergency. I, I don't believe they'll be successful um, at it. And even if they are, President Trump just went down, went with a nuclear option, and he recovered about $3.5 billion uh, from California to put towards the wall. And, you know, they're, they, he can build the wall now despite – the state, some states' lawsuits. It's not. It can't. You know, they they can't interfere. Um, but you know, he he has all the power. Let's face it. No, I agree. And you know, he uh, took he's taking the money from California, but uh, the governor and the Democrats in California just raised all of our taxes across the board on everything. Jesus, Jesus Christ, communism. What, tell tell me about the trip to the Washington D.C. this past weekend. Tell me about that. Oh, you know what? <laughs> the trip to so this is my second time to D.C. Uh, to be in the White House with the president Donald J. Trump, yep. and yep. this time I went for the uh, Black History Month. And you know, just like last time, President Trump he had food for us. It was live music. We were treated like royalty. It was it was just absolutely phenomenal. And again, the liberal media doesn't want to talk about it. They're dark on it because they want everyone yep. to believe that he's a racist. Well, yep. I'm the part that I'm really, really excited about. Last time I went there, President Trump got done with his speech, and he came down and he signed autographs and he signed hats and various things. Well, this time he did not. So I was a little upset. I was like, oh, I missed my opportunity because I made sure I was right up front. <laughs> and I had my right. vote dim out hat. And anyways, long story short, um, he came out a different door, and I just happened to be there. And I got him to sign my vote them out hat. So I'm really excited about that. I, I love it, man. I love it. That That's awesome. And, you know, something happened this past weekend, and, and many conservatives that are listening to the show know about this. So Terrence got in a crash. And so did Ben Berkwam. For people, people know Terrence Williams. He makes all the funny videos. He's a viral on the internet. And most people know who Ben Berkwam is. But they were saying that this could have been somewhat of a setup. 
This could have been a, a planned attack. What do you say to that, Will? No, I, you know what? It, so, to my understanding, Terrence Williams was in a lift, and he was on his way to the Trump Hotel, and the lift driver was going too fast and hit a rail, which could have killed both him and the driver. Now, if the deep state is attacking someone like Terrence Williams, then we're all in trouble. I mean, I can't imagine they would go after him because he's saying something they don't like. He's not a politician. He can't, you know, make any laws or anything. So I don't really think it's a conspiracy. And even talking to Terrence, he's not even labeling it as a conspiracy. Right. Well, there were there were some people talking about it online. I thought I should ask you about that. I know you're in the hospital visiting him, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, and he's doing well. He's made a bunch of videos and uh, telling everybody he's all right, which is great. And uh, but yeah, I, I I don't man, I tell you, you know, it was just bad timing, I guess, what happened to him. Just bad timing. Same with Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you said that something happened with Ben Brookham. I'm not sure. I know that story. Well, I don't. I mean, I thought I read that on a comment board. Maybe that's not accurate. There, there, there was people on comment board saying that. I, I don't know if it's accurate, but they were saying the same night. You know, Terrence and Ben, something happened to both of them. But I saw Ben on the radio today, and he looked fine. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what that is. Um, but, but anyway, other than that, when we were when I was in D.C., I asked uh, yeah. myself, Ben Burkham, Marjorie Green. And a few other people, we went up to Capitol Hill and we went to Nancy Pelosi's office, where we had 180,000 signatures request for her to be to be removed from office. <laughs> All you need is 100,000 for the White House to recognize it to start looking at it. We have a <laughs> when we went in there, we had 180,000, and it was still growing after that. Jesus, man. Oh, wow. What 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 else what else happened there? What what any other things that stand out that you can say that happened this past weekend? Um so on on top of that there was a uh, build the wall rally in front of the White House. So yep. that took place as well. Other than that, man, it was a very it was an awesome time in DC going to the White House, going to the build the wall yeah. rally and especially going up to the Capitol. We went to Omar's office. We went to mm-hmm. Shifty Shift. We went to his office. We went yeah. to um, we went to uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and out of everybody's office we went to, her office was locked. They locked the doors before we got there. Jesus Christ! I mean, go go <laughs> go figure. You know, I mean, that's just Jesus Christ. She, I mean, she is totally, you know, off the wall. I, I can't stand her. Um, I do I do want to announce though to everybody listening. That President Trump made an announcement uh, yesterday that he's throwing one of the biggest events on Fourth of July at Lincoln Memorial. I will be there. A lot of people are going. People should mark their calendars and try to get there because this is for Fourth of July with President Trump. This is going to be one of the biggest events, like he says, ever in D.C. history. Um, will, I'm sure you're going to that, right? Um, you know what? Actually, I haven't heard about it. When when did he announce it? He announced it yesterday. It's on July fourth, and it's going to be one of the biggest events. Oh, it's okay. going to be yeah, huge. Yeah, yesterday I was. Yep. Yeah, yesterday I was still traveling 
from D.C. to here, and I didn't get a chance to see anything. Okay. Um, Matt, so, Matt, I want to I wanna go to you, Matt. I want to talk to you. Let's get in detail about this book. Um, you've written two bestsellers. One, one of the books is called uh, The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama, and The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama. Matt, Matt please, like, pinpoint – I mean, I know there's a lot to pinpoint, but I want to ask you a few things about these books. First of all, tell us about the Benghazi situation, because, you know, Obama still likes to call that a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Obama calls everything uh, with with his administration a a conspiracy theory because he never wanted anyone (laughs) to talk about it. Uh, But, uh, you know, Benghazi, like everything else, was, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there that, that does kind of, you know, go into the realm of conspiracy theory. But, the, you know, there, there's, I mean, there's the basic fact that, uh, you know, the the Obama administration uh, failed to protect their, their people uh, that that were at the, at the consulate there. And then, uh, you know, the, probably the biggest crime was, uh, was the cover-up was the fact that this was you know weeks before the election. Uh, they, the last thing they needed was was for us to deal with this being the news, and so a, a lot of the the details that that have come out about it were were buried until after the the election. Uh, you know uh, the saying goes that it's it's not the crime it's the cover-up, uh, and that's the same with Benghazi. You know, you know when when that first happened, I think a lot of us were thinking. How does he survive this? Uh, Mitt Romney is going to going to is going to win it if, if this uh, stays in, stays in the headlines. But you know they were able to uh, to put off uh, damaging information being uh, released uh, as long as they could until after the election to in order for him to survive. Yeah, and you know go, going going into detail as well about the national surveillance. Tell us about that because that was one of the things that really ticked off Americans. Uh, that he he basically said he wasn't spying on us, but he was. Well, if you've ever read the book 1984, I mean, basically uh, Barack Obama made that a reality. You know, here's here, here's a guy who who uh, you know ran on this idea that you know it was George W. Bush who was spying on, on you, listening to your phone call, uh, and instead what we got was Obama was the one that was. Uh, you know, listen, uh, you know, expanding all these programs, listening to our phone calls, uh, spying on the media, uh, all these things that uh, you don't think are would represent, you know, something that would happen in America. But under Obama, it absolutely did. And I mean, there's actually quite uh, quite a few scandals that you know involved the NSA and, and various types of spying. Uh, you know, obviously, I think, uh, uh, you, you know, it, it, it's hard to uh, consolidate it all into, into, into one thing. But I, I obviously I feel like one of the worst examples uh, that there is was is is the spying on Donald Trump, uh, you know, spying on 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 a presidential candidate from the opposite party uh, is, is really going way beyond anything that Richard Nixon ever did. And Richard Nixon, yep. had he stayed yep. in office, would have been impeached. And Barack Obama should, you know, it was at the end of his presidency, you know, and, uh, we've obviously found it a lot, you know, 
you know, since since Trump's taken office. But his, you know, his legacy should be in the eyes of historians and every everyday lay people uh, tarnished from 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 that because you know if a president can essentially say. I don't want this guy to get up and be like the president. You know, let's let's find him, see what's good. You know, see if there's anything we can get out of him. And you know, oh hey, you know, my uh, uh, my heir apparent uh, has this. Uh, you know, spent all this money to have this uh, dossier uh, uh, written up. Let's see what see what we can do with that, and, and have the FISA court, uh, uh, you know, approve. You know, I mean, you, you know all this stuff. I mean, it's it's very very scary stuff. It's it's stuff that you know. If you listen to Democrats now, you, you they act like this is the kind of stuff that that Trump is doing all the time. You know that he's and you remember. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go sorry. Oh no, I was going to go ahead. You know, but and and also the Obamacare scandal. Remember when he said you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and that was something you got into detail about. He scammed the American people on that big time. That was probably one of the worst ones. Uh, Obamacare was obviously the biggest scam uh, probably in, in American history, or at least since, uh, you know, since FDR's New Deal. Uh, I mean, you know, every, I mean, what, what promise actually had, had went through with that? I mean, uh, we didn't save the $2,500 a, a year on, on our premiums. We actually ended up paying, you know, $2,500 or more a year on premiums. Uh, you know, uh, costs went up, uh, pre- premiums went up, but deductibles went up, uh, out-of-pocket expenses went up. Uh, if you didn't necess- you weren't necessarily able to keep your doctor. You know, there's all these things with Obamacare that just, I mean, were just awful. And uh, what what I love about it is how, uh, you know, Obamacare is supposed to fix everything. It's supposed to make everything better. But, you know, we're still talking about it. Democrats are still running on this idea that we have to do something about health care. It's like, well, I thought you, were, you had fixed it already. What the hell are you? Right. I, I mean, why, you know, Obamacare was this, was this ginormous thing that was, you know, according to, you know, Joe Biden, you know, a big effing deal. Uh, well, you know, it didn't, despite the fact that it forced you to buy health coverage, it didn't cover everybody. There are still people that, that don't get insurance. Uh, and there, there's other people who, uh, you know, you know one, of, one of the hidden things about Obamacare is that it hasn't actually increased access to health care. People often mistake insurance with health care or access to health care. It's not necessarily true. Because the cost of insurance have gone up, more and more people are, are delaying health, getting health care because they can't afford the premiums and the deductibles. Right. I mean, yeah, but here- it's a big scam. And, and thank really God, is. you know, Trump got in there and he's trying to get rid of it. Yeah, it, 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 it's an ongoing thing. And you look at everything he did, you know, in his candidacy. And, you know, you've written about the, in these books in detail regarding these issues. And look at the Fast and the Furious. I'm sure you can elaborate on that with Eric Holder and him. I mean, that was another huge one. I mean, Eric Holder... Uh, I mean, I mean, the only other person that he can compete with for the most corrupt attorney general would be his successor, Loretta Lynch. I mean, I mean, these people were, were uh, you know, playing defense for, for, for Obama. I mean, it was basically a I'll protect you if you protect me scenario. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was such a relief 
that when 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 Trump won because you know that kind of level of corruption would have only continued you know probably at least twofold under Hillary Clinton and uh you know I know a lot of people on the right you know have had their issues with uh with Jeff Sessions uh, when he became attorney general uh and you know he, he recused himself and the whole Mueller thing but you know Jeff Sessions was was truly a a a law and order kind of guy and he uh under his leadership he got rid of a lot of uh, corrupt programs that had happened under Ob- under Obama like uh um you know the the liberal uh, slush fund program that where um basically the Obama administration had incentivized banks to uh to donate to left wing causes in order to uh reduce their liability for um you know for the whole um um uh, subprime mortgage uh, uh, crisis that that you know they were all involved in. They're supposed to pay out damages. They can reduce their liability yeah. uh, for the, for those uh, settlements by by um, paying all these uh, you know paying lots of money to you know left wing causes that Obama liked. Uh, you know under yeah. Jeff Sessions that program that 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 was they got rid of it. They could have easily have said well. No, instead of all these left wing groups, we we could have you donate to right wing groups. They didn't do that, you know. They they got rid of it. They stopped it. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, uh, in so many ways, uh, we're, we're seeing a a much more transparent uh, and and less corrupt uh, government un, under Donald Trump. A lot of people won't won't admit to it. They don't. Maybe they don't even realize it. But I mean this. The Obama system was was easily the most yeah. most corrupt in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah, v- very well said. We do only have a few minutes left. I I do want to um, I do got to close out here in the next uh, couple minutes. But uh, before we go, Matt, real quick, if you can kind of ela- like in about thirty seconds, can you speak on the, the two thousand eight market collapse, collapse that Obama? Uh, you know, was overseeing. Obviously, we know they bailed out the big banks, told all the small businesses to go screw themselves. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, the, there was a lot of things that, that contributed to that, and, and you know, um, uh, uh, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, what to say about it because it's uh, not. I don't think there's any way to, to extend that into 30 seconds. Oh yeah, no, I get, and, and I want to, I want to get you. You know, most people know the story. I, I want to get you back um, this week, and I want to talk about that. Uh, we definitely need to talk about that because that was one of the biggest things that factored into our economy negatively, and the, one of the main reasons we went through the Great Depression. Another reenactment of the Great Depression, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, Matt, I want to really thank you for coming on, man. Uh, you've been fantastic tonight, and I'll definitely get you back on this week. Please tell everybody where they can find all your work uh, and your best-selling books, um, and, and they can definitely uh, purchase it there. Well, you know, just go on Amazon. You can you know, look for my name, Matt Margolis. Uh, I have uh, two books that are out right now, uh, The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama, and the other one is The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama. And later this year, my next book comes out. Uh, it comes out in July. It's called Trumping Obama. Uh, President Trump saved this from Barack Obama's legacy. Uh, it should be a fun one, and uh, you can pre-order that now. Very good, Matt. And uh, people can find you on Twitter. You're, you're on there quite a bit. Uh, they want to connect with you, right? 
Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter, and I also uh, you know write for PJ Media. Okay, perfect. Matt Margolis, thank you, sir, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Will, go ahead. Please tell everybody where they can find you. And, Will, I'm going to get you back this week. I, I didn't have you on long enough. i got much more to ask you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so if you want to if you want to find out anything about what I'm doing, you can go to uniteamericafirst.com. Uh, I'm constantly putting uh, content up, articles, and talking about everything that's going on. And I like to take it as a perspective as a black American or just American that happen to be black um, and right. how the left is uh, treating all of us. So if you go to unitesamericafirst.com, you can find all the details about it. Yeah, th- thanks, Will. And people can find you on Facebook and Twitter too, right? They can connect with you there. Yeah, all of my links, all of my links are, are right there on unitesamericafirst.com. Perfect, Will. Uh, God bless you, and we'll have you back on again this week. Thanks, Will. Take care. Take care, Pamela. Go ahead. Where people can find you. You can find me at uh, thefactspaper.com. F-A-C-T-S. Um, I have you have contact information there. You can find my books on there. You can also find me at Twitter at PJA1791. Perfect. Thank you, Pamela. We'll, we'll talk to you. Uh, have you back tomorrow night. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. God bless. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow night. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. It's been a fantastic night. We got so much addressed. I want to thank all my sponsors, all my co-hosts, my amazing audience, and uh, the, the amazing special guests. Um, you know, this has been fantastic, and you guys are the reason we keep going strong and strong. Uh, please don't forget to visit the Donald J. Trump store for all your amazing and authentic and customized clothing. There's so much to choose from on there. You can also visit our new media site, thenextgenusa.com. Again, that's the N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. You can find all our articles, past interviews, shows on there, all that good stuff. Um, the stuff I did not get to tonight, I will get to tomorrow on the show. I had a whole list tonight. Um, but, again, thank you to all that tuned in. I'm Rory Sodder. I'll see you all, all tomorrow night, everybody. God bless. Cheers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.